what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks at church um, is talking about overcoming. God has called us to be more than conquerors. He's called us to overcome. God is a God of restoration. He's a God of healing. He's a God that fixes our problems that we often or that I often make worse when I try to fix them myself. But, but God steps in and he heals and he restores. And he brings us back to how we're supposed to live and what we're supposed to do. So the last couple of weeks and then today and the next Sunday, we'll talk about overcoming um, in, in a couple different aspects of our life. Now, have you guys ever taken a trip in a car with an infant who doesn't like being in a car? That's awful. That's never a good idea, yet we willingly choose to do that sometimes. You get in the car and you just have to go. That happened yesterday. Justin had to go to Locust Grove for something, and somehow we ended up going to the Tanger Outlet Malls. I'm still not quite sure how that happened, but we were there, and we just ended up there. It was like it was magic. But really, actually, it wasn't magic. What happened was we were almost there, and Jesse looks over at Ella, and she had her socks on because I made her put her socks on, and she goes, where are your shoes? She goes, I don't know. So we're almost to the place that we're going, and Ella doesn't have any shoes. So we're like, well, we can either turn around once we're done and spend another couple hours in the car coming back home because of traffic and crime babies and other stuff, or we can take a little bit of a sanity break, and we go to the mall and get Ella some shoes. In retrospect, going to an outlet mall with kids as a break from, for sanity, that doesn't make any sense. You guys are just smiling and laughing at me, which is fine. So we ended up going there and uh, getting a couple things. Um, but it really helped us. Ella, we had to figure out what type of shoes she wanted to get. We got her some Crocs because the Crocs that she had, she was outgrowing. So we went to the store and found some of the clearance section at the outlet mall because that's where I buy stuff. And uh, we got a good pair. And also at the very front, they had these little My Little Pony things that you can stick in the holes in Crocs to kind of decorate them and customize them yourself. No idea that existed before in life. So now you know there's little jewels and gems you can put in your Crocs and make them look just, like, just the way that you want them to. But how we figured out what size Ella needed for her Crocs is that we tried on some shoes. We tried on the biggest kid size, a 12, and that was fit just enough, but I'm not going to buy that one because she's not going to be able to wear it very long. I'm thinking long term. I don't want you to be out of these shoes in a couple weeks. So then we tried the 13s, which is the biggest ones, in the kid sizes, and it goes up to Junior's 1, and those were too big. And the 13s were almost too big, but I made us get them anyway because I thought, hey, <laughs> we'll be able to wear those longer. But the Crocs and the shoes, they had different labels on them. And that helped me to know which one to pick up and which one might fit her foot. Now, also, it became very helpful because I live in a house full of girls. Uh, my daughter Ella is six, just lost her second tooth in the van on the way home from Locust Grove last night. We're like, don't mess with your tooth anymore. And she kept messing with it and just came out in the van, which is much easier than having to pull a kid's tooth. Then I have a three-month-old at home, too. So we went in a, a number of little stores here, and this is a nine-month, so she's not going to be able to wear it for a little while. But it says, little sis, cutest ever. I couldn't help but get this and buy this for Abigail, our little daughter. But it's, it had a label on it, too, for a nine-month-old, generally. So you know what size clothing is going to fit, what size shoe is going to work. I know when I look at a shirt, if it says an extra large, I might be able to wear it. I might not be able to wear it, but I might be able to. And the same thing, the shirt that I'm wearing today is made by Russell Athletic, is made by FCA, got it and embroidered it, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, who they go into the schools around town in West Georgia, and they support trying to get Jesus out into the community, out into the athletes, through the sports teams, not because they're the most important, because that is a group that we can influence for Jesus. You can influence all groups for Jesus, but we can't all be everywhere, so we need to choose some places. So even my shirt in and of itself, the size lets me know that I may or may not be able, at least have a chance to be able to wear it comfortably, right? 
And then it lets me know that Russell Athletic made it, and it's got another label on it from FCA, knowing that it's supporting FCA, because labels on our clothing are helpful. Now, I also know that sometimes labels on our clothing make us mad because they lie, and labels are crazy, and they do different things for that. But they do become very helpful for us if you're buying shoes, if you're buying clothes. Labels become helpful for us if you have a food allergy. Right now, Jesse is nursing our new baby, Abigail, who can't handle dairy. So she can't eat anything that has dairy in it. So we have to look at food labels and make sure it's not just milk, but a milk byproduct and all these other words that mean milk, like it hidden in labels, that we need to know that's in there because otherwise we're going to have a terrible next couple of days because Abby and her stomach just won't feel good. Now, those labels are helpful, especially if you have a, a very extreme food allergy or a peanut allergy. You know, hey, I can't. Or I might die if I don't get an EpiPen or get to the hospital so that I can breathe. Friends, those type of labels become very helpful. But what was never intended to happen is that labels on things work. Labels on people are harmful. Yet too often we live in a world where we put labels on people. And we also, honestly, we turn around and we put labels on ourselves. Now some of those labels can be good. I'm a husband, I'm a dad, I'm a father. Uh, but a lot of times, labels can become negative. I'm a disappointment. I'm slow. I'm not good at anything. I mess things up. I can't be trusted. Or I'm dishonest. Or I'm lazy. See, when we put labels on people, we start to believe that that is what their value becomes. The same is true for good labels and for bad labels. God didn't intend for us to work that way. So labels on things are good and helpful. They let us know what type of gas to put in our car. We put a label on our mail to make sure that the bill gets to the right place. Or if you're going to send a birthday card to somebody, put the label on with their name and their address so it goes to the right place, and that's helpful. But labels on people become destructive and become harmful. Labels on ourselves get us in a lot of trouble. Let's read that story from Mark chapter 2. Uh, we've got Jesus encountering people because that's what Jesus did. <laughs> he went out and he sought after people. And God will teach us from this story this morning. Mark chapter 2, I'm going to start in verse 1 of the story of Jesus. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even room at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get him in the house because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And Jesus saw their faith, and he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, he said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed, go home. And he rose, and immediately he picked up his bed, and he went out before all. And that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. And as we think about overcoming the lies of labels that are put on people, and that are put on you, and that we put on others, 
Even just reading through the story of Jesus, this encounter from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, where Jesus heals this paralytic. We have labels. Like I said, they're not always bad, but they can be. They can be life-altering, and they can be even crippling at times. It says that um, some of his friends brought the paralytic, and that's he's re- referred to. That's all he's called is the paralytic. We don't know his name. It's not given. He's just referred to as the paralytic. I can't help but think that in his life, maybe that's all that he saw his value as. Well, I'm the, just the paralytic. I'm the guy that everybody has to help. I'm the guy that can't do anything for myself. That I want to go hear Jesus teach, but I can't even get there. Or I'd love to go see this guy that may be able to heal me, but I can't get there. My friends have to take me. I'm a burden on everybody else. I can't do anything right. Maybe I deserve to live like this, perhaps, is what the paralytic thought. And even maybe if he didn't think that, Everybody around him did because, friends, they lived in a time where they thought if something bad happened to you or you got sick or you were paralytic or you lost your vision, you deserved it, that you did something, that there was a sin in your life that you caused that to happen. Or maybe somebody in your family that came before you sinned and they caused that to happen. I'm so thankful that we don't think that way anymore. We know that that's not the way that it operates. Okay, that's true. But sometimes... There's, there's little phrases, I think, that we say, even though we wouldn't say that we believe, well, they are sick because there's sin in their life and God's punishing them with this sickness. We wouldn't say that, but there's this phrase that I hear repeated so often in life from people who are religious and who aren't religious, people who are Christians and who aren't. There's this little phrase, and, and maybe you've said it, well, well, they had it coming. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever said that? Well, well they had it coming. Well, yeah. But they had it coming. Well, that's kind of our vernacular for today of what people in Jesus' day in the first century believed about this paralytic. Well, he deserved it. He had it coming. It was because of what his family did that he has to suffer that way. And yet God doesn't look at us for our deficiencies. What he does, in fact, through the blood of Jesus, that he looks past those And Scripture talks about how we are whiter than snow. The blood of Jesus has washed away my sin and has cleansed my iniquities. And that God looks upon me and he doesn't see a sinner. He sees someone who is a new person that is saved by the blood of Jesus. And that's how God looks at us. So as this story goes on, the friends bring the paralytic to Jesus. And they get there and the house was so full that nobody could get in. And so they got up onto the roof, which I imagine that might have been crowded too because the people just wanted to be around Jesus. That's how powerful Jesus is. He draws people in. They just want to know more about him. And I can't help but think that for me, as someone who is a Christian who's attempting my very best to follow after Jesus, I want people to be drawn to me, not just for myself, but for Jesus and how I can show them the truth about what God wants for their life and how God wants for us to live. If people were drawn to Jesus, I can't help but think that people should be drawn to Jesus' followers. And that includes us, about sharing our faith and about living our life in a way that people can come to understand about what's so important and why they are so important, because God loves them, and when we screwed up, God still sent his son to die for you and to die for me and to die for us, so that God can look on us and not see a sinner, a cheater, a lazy person. God sees us as his children that he loves and that he sacrificed for. 
But in the story in Mark 2, this paralytic comes and the room is full. So they go up under the roof and they, it's talking about his friends. They just knew they had to get their friend in front of Jesus. They'd heard about him and they say, it's worth a shot. You know, sometimes in life you just have to take those chances and say, if it doesn't play out, then it doesn't play out. And we didn't really harm anything by doing it other than maybe having to patch somebody's roof because I got mad because we tore a hole in it. And maybe they patched it before they left. We don't know. The scripture doesn't tell us that. But what happens is that they wanted more than anything else to get their friend to Jesus. So they picked him up and they carried him there. And the room was filled and they went to the roof and they tore the roof off and lowered him down so that there was no option but for Jesus to recognize the paralytic. And how it's described, it's verse 5, if you look at it. It says, and when Jesus saw their faith, it's talking about the faith of the friends who brought this paralytic to Jesus to have his life changed, hopefully. And in fact, that's exactly what happened. First, Jesus saved his life for all eternity, and then he saved him for his time on earth. He said, first, your sins are forgiven, and everybody grumbles to themselves, and they say, who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus knew that they were grumbling in their hearts, so he responded to them because God does that. He knows what's going on in my heart and in my mind. He knows what I'm thinking when I don't say it, and God will address those things because they can become very destructive in my faith and how I view other people and how when I start to look at you and put labels on you, good, bad, or indifferent, that's not what God wants for me to do. But he said, son, your sins are forgiven. And they were all upset. And Jesus says, what's more powerful, to heal a man so he can walk or to forgive him of his sins? I've already forgiven him of his sins, which is the most important thing. Yet Jesus turned to the paralytic and he said, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. So this man that had been known for maybe his whole life in the community for being the one that don't answer the phone if he calls, but he's going to ask you to help him. Jesus said, rise and walk and go home. What a powerful testimony about what Jesus would did in his life to forgive his sins, to heal his body. And also, how powerful this man's friends, who weren't deterred by a couple things that got in the way about getting their friend before Jesus, because I believe that God had put it on their hearts to just bring him to Jesus and see what difference might be made. Because we don't just want to view the labels that the world around us wants to put labels on us. Because I find this to be true. The the longer that we carry a label, the less it describes our past and the more that it begins to describe our future. The longer that you carry a label on you that maybe you put it there, maybe your parents put it on there, or maybe your ex put it there, or maybe your kids put it there, or maybe your neighbor, or maybe your friends that always let you down. The longer that you carry that label, the less it describes your past and the more it describes your future. Let's think about it this way. In fact, research in a couple of different places has shown if you take a group of students and you label them slow, their performance in school is going to go downhill. You take a group of students and you label them gifted or advanced, their performance is going to increase. Why? Because a lot of times we believe what we hear. And we believe the labels that are put on us, whether they are true or they are not. So we have to be very careful about, if you think about, well, how would you describe yourself? You don't have to answer that right now, but think about it for a moment. How would you describe yourself in a couple words? Or how would other people describe you? Those first words that come to mind, are they positive? Are they things that you would want? Or are they other things that you wouldn't want 
on you. Because the longer that you believe the lies that other people put on to you, the, the more that it's going to impact who you are and how you value yourself as a person, how you value yourself as a part of the church, or somebody who's trying to find Jesus. Maybe you're not sure yet, but you, you want to know more about him. Don't believe the lies that the devil tries to put on you to describe you because God wants so much more for you. So be careful about the ways that you let other people describe you because maybe you're going to take ownership of those and it's going to indicate more how you behave now in the future than ever what you did in the past. Looking at verse 5 again, Jesus looked at the friends and because of their faith, he healed their friend. That's what it says. Because of the faith that they had, their friend was healed. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't see anything about the faith of the paralytic mentioned in Mark chapter 2. Do you guys? Did you hear anything? Because of the faith of their friends. Now, maybe he had faith and maybe it was growing. Now, clearly his sins became forgiven, so there, there was something there. And Jesus knew his heart, so Jesus spoke about his sins being forgiven. So he, he came to faith, maybe at that moment, if not before. Maybe he's the one that begged his friends to take him to Jesus. I don't know. It doesn't say. But what we do know for sure is that because of the faith of the friends, the paralytic was healed. This is important. The faith of the people around you matters. The faith of your friends matters. It can impact you for the good or it can impact you poorly. Now we are called, I am called in this world to live like Jesus did. Jesus spent time with people who were religious and people who weren't. He spent pe time around people who were trying to follow after him and people who were the worst of sinners. And in my life, God is going to call for me to do that as well. So it's not a call for me just to surround myself with Christians and church activity all the time. But I have to be very careful because my friends will influence me. Those that are closest to me will influence me. And look at the people that are closest to you in your life. Maybe it's your parents, maybe it's your siblings, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your neighbor, maybe it's nobody, maybe you feel alone. Look at the people that are closest to you and try to figure out how are they influenced me when it comes to my faith in Jesus. And then try to view it from the other side. How am I, as a brother or sister in Christ, influencing their faith? How am I helping them become more like Jesus and less like the world? Because your friends will either carry you to Jesus or they will pull you away from him. The same is true for you and your friends. You'll either carry your friends towards Jesus or you'll pull them away from Jesus. Because friends, transformation rarely happens in isolation, but it happens in community. Transformation, God restoring and changing us happens in community together when we worship together, when we pray together, when we read our Bibles together, when we send each other text messages or Facebook messages or call them on the phone or knock on people's door. Show up at somebody's house sometime and don't even ask. Just show up sometime. People love that, right? But just show up. Sometimes we just need to be there for people because sometimes you might call somebody and say, hey, can I come over and help you with something? They'd say, no, no, you're busy, I'm busy, but they really need it. Though there's times in our life where you're just going to have to show up and be involved in the lives of other people because transformation happens together in community. God designed us to live in community. That's why he created the church, and the church was always God's plan. It wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't a backup. The church was always God's plan. That's why Jesus went so far as to tell Peter. He says that, hey, I'm going to start the church, and the gates of the enemy will not prevail against it. The church wins. 
We know it does. And our goal is to make disciples. That's what Jesus left us with. We say here we want to make disciples who make more disciples. We've defined what a disciple is, right? I try to say it every week or so. A disciple is someone who loves God and others, who bears fruit and equips others for service. Mark 12, John 15, and Ephesians chapter 4. Love God and others, bear fruit, and equip others for service. Love God and other people. Jesus said that's the greatest command. Bear fruit. God said there should be evidence in my life proving that I'm following after him. Not that my works save me because that's not what Scripture says. But because I love Jesus, there's things that he's asking for me to do and commanding for me to do. And there should be evidence in my life that Jesus is a part of it. And I'm also, we're also called, we're all called to serve other people. Oftentimes when we have a problem um, in life, we just treat the symptoms. And we don't treat the underlying source or the condition. That's what most medication does, right? It just treats, I've got a stuffy nose, I take a decongestant so it's not stuffy. Or however medicine works. I might not have even said the right words. But it treats the symptoms, and it doesn't really heal it. We take painkillers, and it makes the pain go away, but it doesn't heal. It takes time for our body to do that on its own. But what Jesus always tries to do, if we'll let him, is that Jesus just isn't going to treat the symptoms, which is often what we see first. And maybe we think our symptoms are our biggest problems. What Jesus tries to do is he tries to address the source of our problem. And it sounds oversimplistic, but it's true. The source of my problem is sin. The source of my problem is, I think, more of myself and less of others. The source of my problem is, I don't do all the things that God told me that I should do. And God wants to address, because it's a heart condition. It's a heart problem that God wants to fix. It manifests itself in my behavior, but it's a heart problem for all of us. And God is healed to restore our hearts. And when other people try to put labels on you, that label might describe a season in your life, or maybe it might even be accurate. It might be a negative label, and it might be true, because we've all got our deficiencies and our hang-ups in life. But we don't want to let that define us. We want to let um, your identity in Christ define you. Galatians 3.28 says it this way. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or free male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's why Jesus said at the end of the story in verses 10 and 11 of Mark chapter 2, he says, I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and he said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Because, friends, in this world, what the devil tries to use for bad, God can use for good. What our enemy tries to use as a negative thing, God can Use that for good. Now, not that God causes those bad things to happen because I don't think that's good theology. I don't think that lines up with how God behaves according to what he told us in his word. But what the devil meant for evil, God can use for good. God can use your, your past to change somebody else's future. A lot of times that's where we connect with other people who have common interests or even the, some of the best friendships are formed when you have common struggles when you're helping somebody get through something, and maybe you've already overcome this big sin obstacle in your life, and yet God is drawing other people to you who are dealing with that too, and maybe what God wants to do is to use your past and what he has taught you to help your friend pull through that, to strengthen your faith and their faith all along in the process. And you're thinking about Galatians 3.28, where it says there's not slave or free, Jew or but just Christ in all and following after him. 
maybe you can use that to fill in the blanks. You might say, I used to be called an addict, but now I'm called free in Christ. Maybe I used to be called unloved, but now I know that I'm loved and that I am a child of the King. I don't know how you view yourself, but maybe you look at yourself and say, I used to be the most insecure person you've ever met. But now I'm confident because I know of what God has done for me and his great love for me. And even if I feel like nobody else loves me, God did and he proved it. And he shows it and reveals that all the time. Or maybe you think, I used to be a mistake. But now I know that I'm chosen by God. Friends, everybody who God draws to himself to be part of the church. God is calling us to live life together on mission to reach more people for Jesus so that we can meet this paralytic one day, and maybe we're going to know his name. And we're not going to know him as the paralytic, but we're going to know him as whatever his name is. I don't know. But we're not going to know him because of his, his appearance. We're not going to know him by the things that he's really good at or his accomplishments in life. We're going to know him as a brother someone who's a part of our family, because his sins were forgiven. And if your sins are forgiven by the blood of Jesus and God is forgiving you, you're a part of the kingdom and you're working together. Don't let the labels that other people put on you define who you are. Let God, who created you, define who you are. Let's leave those labels for Crocs and for shoes and cute little onesies that we buy for our kids and grandkids, okay? Let's talk to our Father together. Let's pray. God, I would go so far as to say that we all struggle with this. Our identity and with labels and with dropping down our self-worth because of what we have accomplished or what we failed to accomplish. God, I pray that you give us a new insight into our life, that you surround us with people who care for us deeply like you do. God, that they'll speak truth into our life and we get that from your word. There's no other source of truth than from you. God, our identity comes from you, not from, not from others. But God, because of who we are, Christians, born again, new creations, following after Jesus, on mission as the church, God, you've asked us to do some amazing things. God, thank you so much for trusting us to accomplish that. God, we know that your work will be done. And it's so exciting when we can be a part of it. God, being a part of the church it is far from boring. God, when we make it boring, punish us, because it shouldn't be. God, we should be so full of life and excited about our faith. God, may we live that out, knowing that you love us so deeply, and because of that, we are called to love other people. God, our words often fall short, and our, our actions speak volumes. May I pay very close attention, not just to what I say I believe, but how my actions back that up. God, we love you. Thank you for hearing us and for giving us an audience. God, until we come together again, protect us. May we look for ways to share our faith with other people. In the name of your son, Jesus, who died on the cross for the sins of the entire world, I pray. Amen.